Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Sales Players Podcast. Hey everyone, this is David Craig White, your host here on the Sales Players Podcast, and today I am delighted to uh, be joined by Benjamin Benjamin. Dinahi, hope I pronounced that right. You have. Find somebody else pronouncing it and hope that they're <laughs> pronouncing it right. Um, the UK's most hated sales trainer. Indeed. He says, but it's not really, I don't think. Benjamin, thanks for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, appreciate you taking the time out. How's things? Things are good. And thank you very much, David, for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to people and discuss selling and stuff around it. So, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> good, good. Looking forward to it. So, so today, sort of, we've agreed, Benjamin, that the, that we're going to sort of maybe change topic a little bit off what you usually talk about, um, which is very much focused on sales and sales training and cold calling and all that stuff. Yeah. I like to try yeah. and sort of see see you know where else is their value within a person and what they've done. Um, and and I was just heading out. On, I think I was on the first couple of days of my. Uh, my jolly days with the kids uh, about a week and a half ago. Yeah. One of you came across my LinkedIn feed there where you talked about um, eight years ago having been sort of uh, broke and making that switch and transition there into making it. I think you think you wrote there you made you've done a million a million pounds in the last three years. Yes. Um, after after transitioning yourself from being broke into doing that. Yeah, and I think that 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 is triggered for me about brand. That's about building brand, and you talked about obviously in that post about about that was a big part of it and how you've done that and what you had to do and the hard work. And yeah. I thought today I would really like to sort of dig into that topic, listen to your story a little bit there, and sort of just just poke around with some questions there because I think the audience definitely, you know, building brand is finally I think becoming the thing everyone's realised. Oh, it's not just Coca Cola who builds brands. It's Everybody has to do it. Yeah, uh, it makes it makes your life easier in sales generally, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of SDRs out there. There's a lot of small business owners out there. There's a lot of salespeople who maybe want to start a business. Um, and of course, I've done this before myself as well and tried. I know it's hard. I know you know where where the pitfalls can be and things like that. Um, I, I think obviously what you've done is obviously a fantastic job with it. Uh, and I think today that that's that's what we agree we'll discuss. Um, so let, let's just roll back. You just broke eight years ago. Yes. Tell, tell us a little bit about what, where, where's that story start? Right. So, yeah, so, uh, we just given birth to, well, not we, my wife had just <laughs> given birth. It feels like the we when you're there as a husband. Uh, and it's not going according to plan. It's not like the movies. It was, uh, you know, we had to, in, in the end, it was a surgical intervention. So it was a bit of a, a scary time. But um, we were living in London at the time. Uh, and obviously after my child, my daughter was born, um, my wife was kind of isolated because all her friend, her family, I should say, had left London and they lived in Bournemouth. Now, obviously, they were coming up and her mum was coming up and helping out. Her father had passed on, unfortunately. Um, so we decided to make the decision to move down to Bournemouth. Um, I think I'd been here once on a stag do like 
15 years ago with some mates. So I, I didn't really know anything about it. But we moved down here for my wife. So her sister and her mum both lived down here. So we're still in Bournemouth. Fast forward, what, 12, 12 years, still here. Yep. So we moved down at the beginning of 2014. Uh, and at that time, I was just a basic, uh, I was a telephone prospector. Um, and I decided that I wanted to transition from being a sole telephone prospector into doing sales training. Um, and it was a journey that had been developing over several years. I'd met a guy that had taught me, like Uncle Marcus Kalki, taught me a lot of stuff and he opened my eyes to a lot of things. And so I decided it was something that I wanted to get into, but of course, I wasn't very good at it. So I had to have a side business uh to generate money to to live on um and around around yeah around 2015 2014 just after we moved i remember turning to my wife and saying look the reason i'm not getting any good at this sales training is because i have a guaranteed source of income coming in and so when you've always got something coming in to keep you safe you don't quite push yourself yeah, so i the think net, the yeah, net is, right yeah yeah you've got a safety net and I said, look, the only way I'm going to master this is by getting rid of all of that. And we're going to have to literally gold cold turkey. We can live on credit cards. Um, I said, but I'll make this work. I don't know how long it's take, but I, I'm positive that I can make this work because I know the stuff. I know what I need to do. I know how good I need to get. I've just got to do it. So my wife agreed, even though we only had like a, you know, a kid that was less than a year old. Um, so that began the journey. Um, and so, yeah, so we were living in rented accommodation. Um, I didn't really have any savings and we we're going straight onto the credit cards. Um, and so I just prospected and prospected and uh, had uh, so many people don't see this now because they only ever see the finished article. But uh, yeah. had so many terrible phone calls, so many terrible meetings, stuff <laughs> that just went awfully. I mean, we still make mistakes. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm confess up to your, your readers i i took a phone call yesterday that i shouldn't have done because i was in a pretty foul mood um and the conversation i came across and a piece of business that i should have won because the guy said he did want to work with me at the beginning by the end of it i made him uncomfortable and i remember mm -hmm. hanging up the phone and sending him a message he said, yeah 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 let's do this and then i don't normally put the caveat if you change your mind but my gut said I think you were a bit of a dick in that conversation. So it all happens to the best of us, right? You have off days, um, even when you're good at things. Um, so that's annoyed me, but it's also humbling because it reminds me that I've constantly got to do everything I teach and I shouldn't have taken a call. I should have just said I can't make it because your feelings dictate how you behave. And so going right back to eight years ago, so uh, yeah, my feelings were dictated because I was desperate. I wanted to win business. I needed to get people over the line. And therefore I wasn't doing what I knew I was meant to be doing. So during that journey though, I realized that I had to create a brand, had to. Um, and I looked around at what people were calling themselves online. And I was inspired to come up with a brand by a guy called Brad Burton, who I'm still doing work with. He's known as the UK's number one motivational business speaker. Now, I went to an event where I knew this guy would be present. He owned a company called Four Networking, which was a really big networking company across the UK. And he was yeah. quite a character. He was quite well known. And I remember going to this meeting expressly with the permission of meeting this guy, because I learned very on early in life that um, if you want to win in life, you have to attract yourself to other people that are successful because they've always got knowledge and information that they can pass on. It's not to um, 
you've got to be careful. Some people just want to hang off their coat towels. It was never yeah. that approach. It was, this is a man that's very successful. Just being around him is probably going to help me. So I just want to impress this guy. So I stood up and I gave a, a 30 second, who am I and what do I do? And he was in there. And after that bit where you get to see who do you want to talk to for a one-to-one, -one, he made a beeline for me. I watched him and it was, oh, this is great. So we ended up chatting and he, he we sat down. And he said, well, he goes, you're a very interesting character. I loved your opener. Uh, 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 your, your utter approach was amazing. He goes, how come I've never heard of you before? I said, well, because I'm a nobody. Why, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm literally a nobody. And he goes, you've got something. He goes, I don't know what he goes, but you've got something. There's something about you. He goes, you need to figure out a brand. Um, I, I go, well, how did you become the UK's number one motivational business speaker? He goes, page 26 of my book, I think he said, or whatever page it was. So I got yeah. his on page 26. How did I become the UK's da-da-da-da-da? I made it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was like, I made it up. I made yeah. it up. And I thought, well, that's... Genius. So then I thought, well, I, I, I played with it. I originally, if you go right back, you'll, I used to call myself the UK second best motivational speaker. Yeah. <laughs> really in the early days when I didn't know what sort of brand to have. I did that as a bit of a tongue in cheek. And I also had a joke. And people said, well, why aren't you number one? I said, well, can't be asked, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that motivates Yeah, I think there's um... – was following what was it now i think uh, david ogilvy the old advertising uh, copywriter guy and i remember the story about the the advertising agency who, who pitched themselves as the the second best but then part of their tagline was something like we try harder or something yeah, like that yeah yeah so, yeah so no, that's just... so that's i came out and brett he thought it was quite funny we laughed but it wasn't me because i'm not a motivational speaker it never had to do with me so he ran courses and one was how to be a better speaker. So I booked on it. I thought, well, this guy's got a bit of knowledge. I went along to this. And so basically at this uh, uh, this one day event, he basically was talking through why a brand is important, particularly if you're a one-man band, an individual like me. And so I thought, well, what do I want to be? I've got to be in sales training. But I don't want to be like everybody else. And I know everything I'm going to teach is going to be quite disruptive and challenging. So I went on LinkedIn. And if you look at LinkedIn and you look at anyone that considers themselves good at selling, what do they call themselves? And it's always the best, number one, top performer, expert, leader, influencer, achieved XXX. And it's just this, yeah. look at me, love me, how awesome am I? And that's when I had, I thought, no one wants to be hated. <laughs> Everyone wants to be loved. And something I'd learn on the course is if I was to say to you, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Who do we, who would you think of? Muhammad Ali. Yes. <laughs> what, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Now, he wasn't the greatest boxer ever, but he just kept telling people it. Because he kept telling people yeah. it, whenever you, you, if a boxer ever came along and said, I am the greatest, everyone would say, no, you're not. Everyone knows that's Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So what he did was he took a position and all he did was scream about it and make it really loud. He goes, so he, this is what he taught me to do on the course. So when I figured out no one wanted to be hated, I thought I can own that space. I can plant my flag mm. and it's yeah. mine. And if I yell loud enough and scream loud enough, no one can come along and say, no, I'm more hated. It just doesn't work, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was it. So that's where I came up with the UK's most hated sales trainer. 
Um, so that was around 2015. Then, of course, Donald Trump announced running for office. And he had this red hat that said, make uh, America great again. <laughs> and at the time, he was the most, still is, the most hated presidential person <laughs> in the United States of America. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd be an idiot not to take that and add it to the profile, right? You know, make salesman great again with the red hat. And I and I thought I've got quite an image now. So then I thought I need to come up with some sort of brand. So I went on one of these um, sort of like uh, art place haggling boards where you post a job and then people bid for it. So and some young lad in Australia came up with the image that I gave. All the first images were all pie graphs and arrows because they were thinking sales. And I said, no, 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 no. You clearly haven't understood me as a person. Go away. Look stuff that i write look at the cheap website that i've built myself look yeah. at that and then come back with something and then this guy just came back with the the picture of me in the red hat with the hair and the uk so i said that's it it's like the colonel the kfc sort of thing i said it's it's perfect i said because it crystallizes everything succinctly so I, I i got that design and then the goal was the goal then was so we're out around around 2017 now. And then I went on a LinkedIn training course because uh, I knew how to use LinkedIn, um, but there were people out there who were better at it. And like all training, there was one thing that I took away which was worth every penny that I paid, just the one thing. And the thing was, you need to post and write consistently. Yeah. That's it. And I thought, well, that's, that's just like prospecting. How come I've never thought of it before? It's just like telephone prospecting. You've got to do it consistently and every day. Yeah, I don't have to write volumes. So that was the goal. I thought, okay, I'm going to write every day. And then I had to figure out who am I writing to and what am I writing about? And then I thought, well, I only want to write to CEOs and MDs because they're the people that buy my stuff. So once I knew who my audience was, it meant I could slag off salespeople because that's what the MD's thinking. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so my approach was slag off the salespeople and how badly they perform and constantly make these observations, knowing that the people that are going to buy aren't going to interact. But okay. they get there and read the stuff yes yeah. so, so and i remember saying to myself it's going to take years before anything comes from this because people don't know you you're an unknown quantity you're just a guy in a red hat so that was the first the second thing was only ever write about selling nothing else don't get dragged into any social issues on linkedin you know stick to what i know and that's yeah. all i stuck to is selling the other thing was is never call myself an expert if i have to call myself an expert it means i'm not one other people need to independently come to that assessment of me of their own volition. So I knew all of this would take time. So I was in it for the long haul, not the short haul. And so over between 16 and 19, I was writing all the time, every day writing an article or writing a post. Um, and I used to get a lot of people challenging me, saying I was talking bollocks and that uh, everything I was saying was nonsense. And I, which was good though, because you got this engagement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was really, really good for me. And I then decided, I reached out to Mike Winnett. You know, Mike Winnett from The Contrepreneur. He's uh, views of my own. He was, I definitely look him up for someone you want to talk to. Yeah. Uh, Mike Winnett. And um, he he's a guy from up north as well. He's from um, Warrington. Yeah. Him and his business partner created a multi-million pound online e-learning solution company they then sold it for millions the two of them uh and then set up another business 
exposing con artists and entrepreneurs online. It's what they do. It's quite, quite cool. And um, I approached him and said, look, I've always loved your stuff. Could we do a podcast together? And he said, well, it's funny you say that because we've literally just started a new podcast called Not Another Dickhead with a Podcast. (laughs) And he said, we wrote up a list of people we'd love to interview. And he goes, and you're on the list. I said, great. He goes, well, if you can get to Warrington, we'll film it and we'll make it really cool. So I did that. So we had a really good interview. A few months previous to that, um, I was on a podcast like this. I was sitting on a couch and unbeknownst to me, they surprised me. They said, we want you to make a live phone call in front of everyone. So, oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, I try to wriggle out of it. And they said, no, no, go on. And so, I said, oh. so they gave, so I said, okay, well, it's got to be an MD and give me their mobile. So there I am sitting on the couch and I had no idea what would happen on the call. Part of you, part of the audience wants you to fail because if it fails and it means they don't have to do anything I teach, the other part wants you to win because they don't want to see you crash and burn. So you got all, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I normally don't care about the outcome, but when you got all these people watching you and filming you on a podcast, suddenly I'm attached to the outcome. I said, like, I better get a meeting, right? If I don't get a meeting on this call, this is going to be awful. So people can't see it, but I'm shaking. And I, I can feel myself shaking as I'm holding this phone because I'm actually feeling it for the first time. So um, anyway, the phone call went swimmingly smoothly. And we got that wonderful clip that's now been on YouTube for several years. So those two videos came out in 2019, about six weeks apart. So Mike Winnett's interview came out. And then about six weeks later, I dropped this video of me making this call. Yeah. And all the years of building up my brand, of writing about what I do, talking about what I do, creating a presence, those two videos just crystallized everything. Because all of a sudden, everyone went from seeing this guy in the written word, because I hadn't done any video prior to this, I don't think. No. They suddenly saw, hey, this guy isn't such an idiot. Or this guy actually does everything that he's been writing about for all these years, and he's actually had the courage to film it and stick it up online. And so those two events, suddenly people say it's luck. It's not luck. It's just a lot of hard work and opportunity came together. And that's all the hard work and the opportunity of these two things just. And from that moment on in 2019, the business thing just exponentially grew. From that point on, the MDs that have been sitting silently, suddenly I was getting phone calls and emails saying, Benjamin, I've shared your video with my guys. And it's like, wow, they think it's amazing. You, yeah. You've got something. And so so that was it. But that took, like I say, we started doing this in 2014. It wasn't until about 2019. Obviously, the brand had been building, but it didn't have the impact that it had. Um, so 2019 was a really good year. Then 2020 came along. We had COVID. Mm. Yes. Yes. So I had to pivot very quickly because my diary emptied out overnight because it was all in-house training. And it okay. was, yeah, it was like, well, this isn't good. And of course, everyone stops paying too. There's no loyalty in business, as I point out. There's no loyalty straight away. No one's going to pay their invoices. Yeah. Um. So I saw, what the hell do I do? And I was sitting in my lounge and I said to my wife, I said, would anyone pay to, to hear me do an online? I've never done an online training program ever. So well, I don't know. And then I thought, well, what if I advertise it on LinkedIn and nobody buys? I mean, that's going to look terrible for a sales trainer to promote something and nobody buys. I said, I mean, this could damage everything that I've spent years trying to create. And then this other voice said, who gives a toss what people on LinkedIn? You don't know any of them anyway. Who cares? 
So I did it. I rolled the dice and I, I set off with only eight spaces. I thought if it completely bombs, then I'm only yeah. going to run eight people. I didn't know what to charge. So I think it was 250 quid. I'd never delivered an online presentation. I had to pay some 23-year-old kid to make me a PowerPoint because I don't know how to make PowerPoints, right? So I went online and I delivered this. So I advertised it on LinkedIn. And within 48 hours, all eight spots had sold, which kind of surprised me. I thought, well, that's that's interesting. And yeah. that's all because of the brand that had been built up. Yeah. Suddenly, people who were unable to access me because they couldn't, they weren't physically in the United Kingdom or they couldn't travel to wherever I was putting on one of my live events, suddenly could access me. So I did the boot camp and everyone loved it. Everyone said it was brilliant. So I thought, sod it, I'll advertise another one. Fast forward from 2020 to today, I've done over 85, maybe 90 of these online boot camps now. Yeah. And uh, they all varied from telephone prospecting. Then we had questioning strategies. Then we had how to handle inbound call. Then we had how to run a sales meeting. All these different. And they've been popping over a thousand people. have gone through these boot camps. And the feedback every time has been amazing. Not everybody's 100% happy, but it's over a 98% happy rate with the content and the quality and the style. So obviously, yeah. suddenly I was now selling in volume for less. And that fundamentally changed my business because now I've moved to primarily online because the in-house stuff is less profitable now. Yeah, of course. And it's of course, yeah, and as well, just like, are you doing these, you're still doing the online sessions like live, right? Live, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so they're still live, live yes. Yeah. So yeah. they live online with me. But what happened is as people started saying, I can't make it, can I buy a recording? And then all of yeah. a sudden, it's like, well, I just need to create an online training program now where all of this is recorded and you can go watch it as you leisure. So I'm actually in the process. I'll be launching that actually um, next month, uh, September. Yeah. So yeah. people can, yeah, so people don't have to wait for me to put on a boot camp now. They'll just be able to go and, you know, buy buy one and then, then watch the course. And I've broken it up and filmed it. So it's fundamentally changed uh, my business, um, COVID, for, for the better. And so i look back at how hard it was and it was hard my wife would say she would hear me on the phones prospecting she as you go i'd hear you sounding like a tough one knowing you're sitting there in boxes and a t-shirt right at 8 30 in the morning you know mm -hmm. and it was a lot of hard work and this is what i try to point out to people creating a brand was really important for me because i am a one-man band yeah. um there's a lot of discussion around there should sdrs create a personal and i think a personal brand for an individual sdr will work in some cases but if every single sdr tries to create a brand it's going to be challenging i can't see how that because the purpose of working for ibm is ibm the brand sells it you just take orders if you're good enough right so yeah. should everybody try to create a personal brand i don't think everybody has to and the problem you have is um if you create a brand that your company doesn't like doesn't fit with their image, then you're going to have some challenges unless you go out on your own. But for one man bands like me or people who own their own business, absolutely, you've got to create something that people can latch onto and start to trust. And you've got to, again, you've got to demonstrate everything you do works as well. It's not enough yeah. to say, love me. You've got to yeah. prove yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's also this, this is one of the things I was going to ask you about as well in regards to this brand building uh let, let's stay on that topic there of sdrs you're obviously on linkedin like me all the time yeah. you see it happening right now you see yeah. this new generation of brand building sdrs who 
yeah. obviously do a lot of social posting, do a lot of videos and try and mix the game up a little bit. They're trying to differentiate themselves. Yeah. What, what what's 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 your sort of uh, opinion outlook on on how they're doing it right now? What, what, well, what as I say, uh, it'll work for a handful, not for everybody. Just like uh, most people who set up a businesses, most fail, except a handful. Yeah, uh, work, and it's because there's something about the individual that keeps them driving forwards. So mm -hmm. I think there will be a handful of SDRs out there that will create pretty cool personal brands, and it will help them. But the majority of people don't need to. And in fact, you're reinventing the world because your company has a brand for a very reason, right? So yeah. so like with everything, there will be people, it's like with YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, influencers, a handful of people make a lot of money. Yes. Most people, you're never yes. going to make money. You are not, I've got a website. I must make, I think, like £120 a month maybe from the YouTube channel. Mm. You know, and I mean, I don't have the most comprehend. I'm not constantly I, to keep feeding that beast as well, particularly a YouTube beast. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's it becomes a full time job. And if you become a full time content creator, you're not even in the sales business anymore. You know? No, it, it, it's actually funny because it's this is one of the things as well when it comes to that consistently publishing every day. I remember I've, I've got two kids, I've got two boys. And like my eldest, he's like just turned 12 in uh, like a couple of months ago. And he's literally been publishing on YouTube, just publishing his videos, his gameplay, because he's he, he's like Danish English, right? So he, yeah. he wasn't comfortable doing his own video in the beginning. Yeah. He didn't even have a YouTube channel. He's not old enough. Um, he was he was like, oh, daddy, how do I get subscribers? He was so desperate. I remember paying one day. I paid like $10 so he goes, you know, you get the free subscribers to come and subscribe to your channels. Yeah. I did that for him one day just to boost him because he was putting in so much effort. And I simply said to him, this was like, I think just under two years ago, I said, the only way you're going to do it is by publishing new videos every single day and doing it for a long time. Yeah. And he literally had nothing. He published every day, two, three videos. And then it was only like two months ago that he finally almost reached that thousand. And I told him as well, oh, I'll give you a hundred quid if you drive us. And he sent me a, a, a screenshot on a Tuesday. I think he was at 761 subscribers. And then he sent me a screenshot on the Thursday and it was at a thousand and sixty. Wow. So he'd yeah. always just hit that pivot. Uh, of course, yeah. this is also the same as LinkedIn, right? It's YouTube algorithms. Yeah, it is. He's, he's yeah. gone through hitting his 1,000 to getting his five. He's on nearly 8,000 now. And this the, and all that's within like the last four or five weeks. Well, yeah. that took two years of like consistent publishing to get there, yeah. right? Um, so you're fluky enough to put up some one bit of content that for some reason goes viral. But then yeah. it doesn't last. You've got to keep creating stuff like that. And so... Yeah, and it's funny. People are drawn to the weirdest things. People aren't drawn to stuff that provides loads of value. They're after stupid things. It's just oh, yeah. like humans are. You just want to look at some of his videos and you'll just know, yeah, I don't understand this stuff. What yeah. The hell is this? So it, it's, it's almost a dance with the devil because mm. it doesn't respect you. Social media uses you and spits you out the bottom. If you're, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, yeah. That if you offend it or upset it or in any way do something to it, it will get rid of you. It only uses you as long as it can suck life out of you. And then yeah. once you're done, it will get rid of you. And I think for older people like us, we get that. That's the nature of the world. The world is an unfair, cruel. Younger people who've grown up with, with this 
constant need for approval and acceptance and mm-hmm. social. I think they find that hard. Rejection is mm-hmm. much worse, I think, for younger people than it would be yeah. for someone in their mid forties, and they don't get it because they've been told their whole life the world is fair and it's okay, and you'll be a winner and no losers <laughs> in the real world. Crap, right? So yeah. I think the younger generation, and they're obsessed with it too. I'm, I was saying I just met up. I was um, in London with some friends from New Zealand over the weekend. We're all at uni and we were just chatting. And we said, I'm so glad we didn't have smartphones where we were at university. Yeah. The idea that you could, you know, capture everything that we did and that it, there was, it was being, it, <laughs> we think all of us were expelled. That would, that would make for some really uh, sticky content though. <laughs> yeah. I know nowadays it would, but uh, it's just, the world has so changed. So, and again, social media has created everyone a bit of a narcissist. So it's all about people looking at you, look at me, hey, I'm going to behave like an idiot, like me, like me, like me, like me, like me, like me. And again, if you've got a pretty weak self-esteem, this is going to hurt. And this is the correlation between selling and social media, because um, the guy I am, the guy talking to you here and the guy online, he's a character I created to go out and take the beating. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But when I come home, I take my stupid hat off. And so this is something I teach salespeople. You've got to separate your identity from your role. And too many people confuse what they do for who they are. And Mm. if you're a YouTube creator, no, no, no. That's just the role you play. And you may have a really crap month and produce crap content. doesn't mean you as a human are any less. But social media doesn't do that distinction. It's all about me. And so the rejection is higher. And um, so, yeah, it's important to create a brand, particularly if you're an individual company like I am. You're a one-man band. You have to. And I'm a very crowded, competitive marketplace, and I have to stand out. Uh, But again, by creating a brand, I also alienate half of people I could sell to because some people don't like my style or approach. Well, I'm fine with that because there's the other 50, there's enough in there to sell to till I die. So I'm not fussed, right? And again, it's having that. It's not about trying to please everybody. And this is the other problem with content. Everyone's trying to say stuff that everyone's going to like. Yeah. It's been around for years. Yeah, but you know, eighty percent of the audience are like it's. Even if you're only reaching two percent, all right. If it's a big enough audience, it's going to make you money, and that's what matters, right? If that, that if that's your business model, I think too many people they they change because of that problem. What you're saying there, because they get some negative posts and people don't like them, then they try and adapt and change and please everybody, and then the yeah. content becomes a little bit like. Uh, and then it becomes and then, meaningless drivel trying to appeal to everybody. And you, yeah, we, we all know the experience. Although people under 35 don't know the experience, you've got to break some eggs to make an omelette, right? Yeah. They've never yeah. heard that. So they think, no, no, omelettes are made through love. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've actually got to break an egg. <laughs> you know? So no, that stops when you leave home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The real world, uh, unfortunately, is less understanding. So so building a brand was important to me because I, I, I had to stand out. LinkedIn was the only platform I was going to do it on and still is the only platform that I use. Um, yeah. But one of the reasons I want to get out of sales training, I've set myself a target end of 2024, yeah. is I'm tired of having to spend my time producing content on LinkedIn. I'm tired of having to feed this beast all the time. I've done very well out of this so far. And uh, like most people in sales, I never wanted to be here. Mm. Happened to be here. And so the object, if you're good at selling, is to make a lot of money and get out and go do something you really, really want to do. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, and so I'm nearly at that point. So it's again, so it's all worked. It's done everything it should done. But I'm I'm one of the I'm one of the few. This that I point to point out. You know, there's so many sales trainers out there, and you know, yeah, some yeah. make a lot of money, but the most they're just pretty ordinary, run of the mill. They do enough to tick by, sort of thing. So again, no, it is hard work. Um, you've got to have a clear plan and strategy. You can't just muddle along. I knew what I want to always be seen as an expert by other people, write consistently about what I do, know who I'm writing to and only write to them. Um, one of the good things was when I used to have a lot of people challenging me, I used to, I used to have a lot of people saying that what you taught wouldn't work in the real world. So yeah. I would start cold calling these people using everything that I say you should do and filming it. And I called it LinkedIn lovers. And it was very popular because we phoning up people and they go along with everything that I said that they said wouldn't work on them. Because when you're yeah, sitting yeah. behind your keyboard, it's very easy to be a warrior, you know, because you've got all this time to think and you can plan your answer and you can, in the real world, when you have to act instantly, yeah, everything yeah. I said that would work worked on them because they don't have the luxury of sitting there at their keyboard thinking how to respond to that. He said that to me. No, no, I've, I think I, I think I saw one of your videos actually on YouTube where you did that on one of those. So, so it's, uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. And, and again, it's like people, it's, it's funny. This is just one of the things as well in regards to content, like, like you've been publishing content consistently for many years. Yeah. I think value, there's multiple values of that content. I think when you, when you land that moment there, what you did, where all of a sudden you go viral, then what I find is that that, that content then starts to add the most value because then people don't run out of content very quickly, right? You, no. you get some people will publish a, a YouTube video or yeah. 10 videos and all of a sudden one will go viral, but then you've consumed everything that person's ever published literally yeah. within the next hour and that's that, done. You yeah. forget about move on to the next person, right? I get a lot of people contact me saying I came up the two and it's funny it's the still those two videos are the greatest draw for me people say I saw you on Mike Winnett's show yeah I went to your YouTube channel and then I watched you make that phone call now I've binged on all of your videos and it's like you've yeah. totally changed my perspective on selling and the thing is I don't constantly keep posting on YouTube but what I put up is usually something of value that people watch it and it's like everything he does is live Mm. and it's like they watch that call and i haven't seen anyone else replicate a call like that or stick anything up so it's not one of those things people say yeah i've seen it or i've seen some other guy do something similar it's constantly original to most people so they look yeah. at it and they think bloody hell is that real or is that fake and there's been that and i, I look i'll be up for when i first watched that video everybody of me on the couch i thought it was fake and i was there you know <laughs> I, I remember seeing i said no one's gonna believe this is real because it just it just went so brilliantly textbook, and uh, the guy. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's also a lot of people followed uh, Grant Cardone uh, when he turned into a sales trainer, and uh, of course he did that quite a lot, and it was very obviously like fake, like yeah, a lot of the sales training stuff what he did. So of course people tend to be like, it's difficult. Oh, he's just calling his friend. It's like, yeah. No, no, I've I've had people comment, say, oh, this is fake. And then other people, no, no, it's not. If you watch and listen to the land, there's no way what they're doing could be fake just because the interaction is too, you can't yeah. fake the way they engage. And oh. it's like, it was a genuine, genuine call. And I and I say that to people. And But the thing for me is, and this is what most people don't know, so people watch that call and think it's great. I watch it and all I see are all the mistakes I actually make. <laughs> yeah, because I'm very critical. <laughs> Years ago, 
and I did I just did like a fake phone call, stopped it in the middle. I was like, yeah, and I, I just rolled it. I literally spent, I think I'd sat there and spent like three hours trying to script it and everything. And in the end, I was like so tired of it that I ended up just literally being like, you know what? Fuck the script. And I just literally picked up this fake phone that I had in the office, old school retro phone, and yeah. I just started and I hit record. And then I get people used to like come to me and come, oh, I saw that first video. I was like, oh, cringe. But it's just like people like it because it was just genuine and it was real and it was like that. I think that's what people enjoy most, especially in in sales when you, especially when you're a sales trainer, right? Yeah, like, you know, this yeah. is great. You can't yeah. be an academic, and a lot of trainers are academic. They can't. They can show you how to do stuff, but when you say, well, "Can you do it yeah. in the real world? Can you demonstrate you doing it with real people?" There's a real reluctance. Um, yeah, yeah. and I try not to be everything I teach. I do, and everything I do, I teach, and I my clients know that because when I'm in with them. They can chuck anything at me from their world and I'm able to deal with it using the methodology and the stuff that I teach. And they see it and it's like, oh, yes, why didn't I think it? Why wouldn't I? I would never have thought of saying or asking that that way. It's like, that's brilliant. So, yeah, I have to do everything I teach. But again, I'm not perfect. Like I say, I still make mistakes. Uh, and I think it's important to screw up because it, uh, like I say, it humbles you and makes you realize, you know, yeah, you, you always got to be conscious that you're doing what you're meant to be doing properly. So, yeah, like I said, I screwed up the other day and um, it's kind of annoyed me, but I'm kind of glad because it made me realize, yeah. well, the lesson here is don't take a call when you're feeling pissed off because it's gone and ruined the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, what's important, I think what, what you've been doing as well, and this is, this is interesting. And I know we're sort of, uh, we've got about five minutes left. Um, what One of the things I did want to ask today is, is hmm. about, if people are starting and starting their own business, they're trying to build their own brand. I think you're giving yeah. them some good tips today in regards to what they need to do. Um, but also at the same time, what about that balance about, I always remember like from when I first started out and I just like went self-employed, I started putting all the content together, what I've been dancing around for, for years. Um, and one of the biggest challenges there was like balancing that time between prospecting between creating content between yeah. managing clients and then you actually get the clients and have to deliver the service but you still have to do this other stuff how do you manage that okay so the the number one thing you got to realize i i knew very clearly that when i started on linkedin that it was going to take years before it generated anything so i was realistic you got to be realistic i said to myself it's going to take a couple of years before people mm -hmm. get leads and even with the brand that i've got I'm not getting hundreds of leads every day. I'm not so awash, you know, it doesn't quite work like that. You can create a lot, you can have a lot of followers, but long time before people start wanting to commit to give you money. So I do get a lot of inbound, but yeah. it's not like uh, I, I'm just drowning in, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. So the first thing you need to depreciate is prospecting is the number one thing you've got to do when you're setting up a business. You have to get out there. You have to talk to people and get in front of them. LinkedIn will not do that for you in the first 18 months, two years, because no one's going to be drawn to you. Because who are you? You're a nobody. I was a nobody when I started out. The nobody just says, hey, come and talk to me. It takes a while. They've got to keep seeing your stuff. And eventually they say, huh. You know, all right, I think this guy's got something, or I, I quite like what this guy's saying. I think this is a guy that takes time. So LinkedIn is a long-term strategy. Again, there's always an exception to the rule. I always put there's always an exception, but you, the odds of you being the exception are probably slim. So prepare for the, what is it? Prepare for the worst, whatever it is. But anyway, so be prospecting. 
because at the end of the day also linkedin doesn't make you a better salesman it's a marketing tool it's advertising it's not selling so selling is what you do once the lead comes to you and if you're screwing that up then 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 all of this activity is useless so focus on that um I'm fortunate I quite like writing and it's not hard for me to find something to write about. If I don't have anything to write about, I've just got to scan my LinkedIn feed for a couple of minutes and someone said something that pisses me off. So I tend to use it as a, a cathartic rant. I use it as a means to just vent my frustrations because we. I still have sales frustrations. I have a lot less, but I still see prospects acting in the way that and I know yeah, yeah. why they're doing it. And, you know, and I get it. So I still know those frustrations. So I write about them all the time. So my advice is prospect first. Don't make yeah. LinkedIn your, oh, my number. No, 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 no. Schedule side half an hour, maybe. Write something and put it up, then move on. Uh, and focus on what matters. Getting in front of people to sell to. So you have to be prospecting. And again, same with prospecting. You're going to be doing this for at least three years, um, you know, before... And that's the thing is, in like with anything, and I teach this to all my clients, when you get really good at prospecting, that's the moment that you don't have to do it. It's like anything you love. When you suddenly get good at it, yeah. you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. And, yeah. and I think as well, that, that's, that's, you know, like with this sales training, I, th I think you're, you're not the first person, and I, I've been through it myself as well. You're not the first person to actually, have, once you've done it, you've done it. And you get tired of doing the same thing because yes. you, everybody wants to move on and progress. And yes. once you've told that same sales story that many times and said the same thing, then you're just like, now I'm bored. What can I do now? Um, yeah. But you have the demand, right? So, so it's obviously fantastic you, you're able yeah, to. Yeah, a couple more years. I, I want to do it for a few more years. Got some financial yeah. goals I want to hit. But um, yeah, and then like I'm not going to completely leave sales training forever or but i'm just gonna dial down how much i have to do and focus on other areas of life that i i, I want to focus on yeah, yeah. cool well we uh, definitely look forward to uh well we definitely look forward to continue to consume your content until then Thank you. and, uh, and looking forward to seeing what comes after that as well so well, but after, well, I've, uh, we've, we've done about 45 i know you got another wow. call um so it's been great having you on um i hope it's been super, super valuable for the audience as well i'm positive so. they'll say so for sure um yeah we'll uh we'll definitely uh come across each other again no doubt in linkedin somewhere in the feeds you definitely will come across my feed that's for sure uh, so uh so yeah thanks again benjamin and uh take care thank you david i appreciate your time thank you for having me on all right man take it easy bye-bye